This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. And today I'm joined with Kate Strong, who is a three-time cycling world record holder. Kate, thanks for being a guest on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me here. So what I really want to know is, what did it take for you to break these world records then? Was it a lot of training? Was it something that you did already and you just essentially threw yourself in? What was the, what was the initial process like? Well, it's, it's been 16 months in the making. So I started training, well, 16 months prior to that. So physically, I built up from just half an hour on the bike up to that 24-hour slot. But like it, it took more than just me to, to achieve the records. There was a team of 20 behind me, all volunteers, making sure that every aspect, support mentally, emotionally, as well as nutritionally, was completely covered. So all I needed to focus on was cycling, in essence. So you essentially put yourself in a position like a lot of elite athletes would be in where they've got a lot of people that work for them making sure that all they need to focus on is in some ways doing as they're told uh, for want of a better expression so what was the experience like as the athlete essentially you're a team of 20 maybe more you know maybe people come and go that 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 sort of thing what was it like having that initially? Say the first the first couple of weeks, what were they like? Yeah, and thank you so much for calling me an elite athlete. I'm so not that. Uh, that's a huge step up for me. My bike is in the spare room and it's like, it's a patchwork quilt. Everyone was a volunteer. No one, there's only one person who has experience in sport and that even wasn't me. So I'm an ex-engineer. Uh, I took up sport like 10 years ago uh, just to get myself back into a rhythm after quite a toxic relationship fell, uh, fell apart. So yeah, thanks for that. But I, I think it, I, I relate it back to anything in our life. If we've got something in our heart and it's shining through us, if we've got a strong vision for business, if we've got a reason behind why somebody crazily wants to sit on a bike for 24 hours, it naturally attracts people who say, how can I help you? And I just learned along the way, instead of doing it myself, like fiercely independent, it's got to be Kate Strong. I just learned to say, yeah, come along and help and we'll find out where you can fit in. So it was it was a mass. We had venture capitalists. We had shamans. We had every type of in, individual represented in our group. We had people from charities. We had people from banks. So everyone who said, can I help? I just said yes. And we came along and we all put it together. I would never have thought it would work but it was the most slickest powerful positive team I could have ever imagined so how much of a change did it make because you mentioned VCs and banks they probably helped financially in some ways and just wanted to to give and then there were people that were more experienced in the you know how do we get you cycling for an entire day fast enough to break world records so did it change your lifestyle your morning routines and all those things or was it literally a case of I'll wait 16 or 18 months and then I'm on the bike it was a drip feed so you are right it was like at the beginning I was cycling as I said three times a week for half an hour that obviously grew up to some days eight nine hours a day 
leading up to the world record. And it was the incremental small changes. I don't like big shifts. I personally don't see any benefit in like overnight going to the gym five times a week if I've never been before. It's not sustainable. So I wanted to create a mind shift as much as a physical shift where I knew afterwards there wouldn't be that huge cliff edge where I fall off in this gaping hole of what used to be you know, cycling is no longer there because I have taken a little break. So yeah, so this incremental shift has allowed me the support to keep growing and maintain it after I receive or not because I didn't know before the records if I get these records. So I don't have that huge like depression or disappointment. Neither do I have this massive attachment to the result and now a little bit of a lost feeling. None of that's present. And I attribute that to the 16 months of slowly, slowly building up until this day. It's interesting that you bring up the attachment to the goal and the idea that you don't know if you break the world records until you break them so it's kind of like you do your best and then however the dice lands that's something you just have to accept or or deal with or whatever it is could you speak to this idea of return on investment with your time because you mentioned it was strip fed you mentioned that a lot of it needed to be sustainable because over a year is a long time to maintain something even if you are drip feeding in it so you did do pretty well to maintain that i know a lot of athletes do stay reasonably fit all year round and then literally it's three months of get myself competition ready so to speak so a lot of people stay okay and they simply up their game when they're competing it's not a huge shift for a lot of people but what caught my eye was what if it became too much what if you started to get attached to the goal because of the, I don't want to say sacrifice, but because of the commitment that you were putting in, perhaps didn't match your expectations and then you felt so attached to needing to win because of how much you put in. Does that make sense? Am I explaining yeah. And and how how have you managed to maintain that level of detachment from the result? Yeah, that's absolutely bang on. And I absolutely adore you've brought this up. And it's really, really insightful that you picked it up. I, I see the world as two, two parts, the, the inner world and the external world. We talked about this off our air a little bit before, which is we're being told to measure ourselves by the external, by the number in our bank balance, by the number of clients, by the speed it took to get us there. You know, we, we put as if our reward and our success and our joy is outside of us. Someone can measure with a tape measure or, or a calculator. What I made sure was, yes, I had my goals. My, I needed to meet certain mileage in a certain time frame, but my reward was internally driven the intrinsic values the community the spirit the camaraderie the making sure that I turned up every day to be my best not be the best but make sure that I honored myself for my values and a hundred percent I did that my inner goals my inner vision was totally honored throughout the entire process so the, the result was a, an extra, like the icing on the cake, but I still have my cake. So I'm still very, very happy. And also I got the icing too by the end of it, but that isn't what makes it special. 
So what particular strategy did you use to add in the, should we say, increases? Because it was all probably well and good starting off small, but then as things got intense anyway, and you got to factor in what you did beforehand, and then you make the changes, or you add things in, or any of that, eventually you are going to be doing a lot anyway, just by virtue of improving in some cases. And I know from my own experience that when you're fitter, you tend to work harder and you tend to push yourself more. So it feels just as bad as when you started, you're just doing more. You just so happen to be improving sort of as a result of not feeling great after every time you you do your thing on the bike. But then maybe you added maybe an, an extra diet change in or maybe you drank more water, whatever the case was. What was your thought process behind making the changes, given you had to maintain this, doing it for the right reasons, maintain this, I've got to stay true to the process rather than getting too attached to the outcome, being so desperate to to win, in air quotes, even though you want no idea if you actually will or not, but it gets different when you start making the adjustments. Talk us through that that part where you start making the improvement. Yeah. First up, it's the language I use around this. I never sacrifice. If I go out and I want, I'm vegan, by the way. So if I go out and want a vegan sausage roll from Greg's, I will. I don't sacrifice myself. So I, I squeeze in the goodness and squeeze out the badness. I don't cut things out of my life. So I never feel like I'm losing out. So that, that mind shift is quite important. Uh, and what I did differently this time, because I have in, like in 2014, I was actually age group world champion in triathlon. So what I saw back then was I, f- I built myself on a pedestal f- physically. So I was at the top of my game physically, but I didn't support myself mentally. I wasn't giving myself the emotional support to deal with what number one means, to deal with what a gold medal can mean to others. And I actually felt very isolated and quite alone. And it left me for months in quite a little funk uh, to the point where I sold my business and got a job as a toilet cleaner because I couldn't cope emotionally with anything other than than that sort of job. Uh, So this time what I did was I made sure I supported myself emotionally and mentally and dealt with the pressures of what if I get it? What if I don't get it? You know, a lot of us actually don't realize that having our success will be as impactful negatively as not having it. Because if I didn't get my records, guess what? I'll just try again. My goal still exists. Yeah. So, um, I needed to deal with the what if I'm successful so I don't self-sabotage along the way as much as uh, the other side. It's interesting when you say that achieving things can have negative impacts. And I know people listening will be like, how can that be possible? And I think one of the things that occurs to me with, you know, I'm on my own sort of journey and achieving things and setting goals and doing all the similar stuff to you myself. And what I've realized is the achievements never feel as good as the picture you paint in your head. And the harder we work towards something, the more we hope it's as good 
as we think it is, the more we hope it's, you know, worth it. In air quotes, it's worth it's worth what we do. It's worth the process. I mean, when I used to when I used to compete in in basketball, I never sacrificed. Never felt like a sacrifice when I would do the five a.m. runs or I would meet up with the team at nine o'clock at night for a five or ten k jog. It never felt like a sacrifice. It felt like well, these is these are the standards you have. This is the level that you're at. Therefore, you know, you expect it to be easy was kind of my, my self-talk. And the answer was always no. And it's still no. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. There is a process to getting whatever it is that you want. But how it felt along the way made the difference. I'm not the tallest guy in the world, okay? I am five foot seven with shoes on. And <laughs> with shoes on. Uh, and I I competed basketball with people that were about a foot taller than me. And the only reason why I kept up with them was because I was quick, I was energetic. And to throw a joke in there, I could go in between their legs and grab the ball and... Every now and again, my childish attitude towards it put me above them because they took things a bit too seriously and I would just dart up the court as if it was fine, no problem at all. And they would look at me as if, like, this is not how you're supposed to play basketball. But sometimes that that was what it was like and I would still do the things everybody else did, but I had the edge because it wasn't a job. It wasn't something I had to do. I just did it because I wanted to. And I think that that desire is what got me through it. It's the wanting to do it. It's almost like choosing your struggles stops it from being a struggle. What What's your take on that? And how, how do you picture it? Because you've had over a year of building yourself up from, you know, if you're still a world champion for your age group, so, you know, some people listening might be thinking, well, surely you shouldn't need to do anything then she was already at that level so what's your take on the process and enjoying it and that taking away some of the the struggle that came along with it and then i I do have another question afterwards but i thought i'd give you the chance to answer that one (laughs) (laughs) i i mirror what you say like uh, I was up at 5 a.m. some mornings getting my training in before work because I still have a full-time career. I'm, this is not, I'm not paid to do sport. Uh, so this is my side hustle. And we forget, we hear these cliche sentences about magic happens outside our comfort zone, but we forget, guess what? If it's not comfortable, it's uncomfortable. And that's when most people stop. It's like, oh, I don't like 5 a.m. I'm tired. So every single person's tired at 5 Put your shoes on, honor your words, get it done. You know, it's, it will, you will elevate above your reasons and stop being reasonable and living this comfortable life and actually achieve something you're proud of. You know, I, I love the 5 a.m. morning runs at 7 a.m. Because I, I look back and I'm proud of myself. There is never a morning I'm like, yay, it's still dark outside. Let's go running. That never happens. But that's what hap- you know, That's what we need to keep feeding. And I want to touch on something you said at the very beginning of uh, just before you talked about your basketball. The results don't change us. 
We are fundamentally who we are. If a million pounds made people nice, our world will not be facing the vast majority of the issues we have. It doesn't change who we are fundamentally. So if we keep like remembering that, the goals are purely a magnifier of making us better individuals in ourselves and magnify what's within that. So work on ourselves, work on our values, work on making a difference. We can do that with a penny or a billion dollars in our bank balance. And that, that's what we need to do is have greater individuals honoring our great self, regardless of the level and not waiting till we're a champion or a record holder or, or whatever like that. I like how you brought up wanting to do good even without the, I guess, the resources to do it straight away, meaning we can make a difference without thinking that we can make a difference. Maybe we're not at the level where we can. Maybe we don't feel like we're ready. I've done things without the means to actually do them. You know, I've given people money that needed it. I've... I've helped fund people's Christmas dinners, even though I couldn't do it. So I put together a bit of a GoFundMe thing for someone in need last Christmas. And I managed to pay for someone's Christmas dinner that turned out better than mine. Uh, right. When they showed with the pictures, I was like, oh, my God, it's better than mine. How is that possible? But that that was, that was a nice thing. It was something that people can do, even if they're not... You know, at the top of the mountain it's the whole don't wait until you're at the top of the mountain before you start to to help others and I think you put it pretty well you know it made me think and the question that I was going to ask before was how much of a difference did you actually need to make going from world champion level I know it was triathlon so maybe cycling was your your weaker event if you will, or your weaker phase of the triathlon. But how much of a difference did you actually need to make in those 16 or 18 months before you were world record ready? Uh, I I would say a huge fundamental shift. I don't think you'd recognize me from 16 months ago. Uh, uh, And then some, because one, it's not competitive. I was competing against myself, so I didn't have other people to like race for or against. I was also in a different frame of mind. Uh, for me, triathlon I used as a as a way to find myself again. As I told you, I was in quite a toxic relationship, so I needed a reason to like selfishly do something for me. I've given up nine years of my life for work and for this guy, and you know I regretted not doing triathlon through that entire period. So it was done. When I say ego-driven, ego is a great source of motivation and I really love it. But for me, it was purely, screw the world, I need to do something for me. <laughs> this time, it was a lot more heartfelt, which was, yay, let's all hold hands together and do something on the bike. So uh, it was definitely different motivation. Uh, but yeah, emotionally, like I did not, I didn't raise money for charity because I believe we should do sport for ourselves first and foremost to elevate our own individual needs and desires and find out how great we are and use that as a motivator to help others. So I don't need an excuse such as charity to look after myself, Uh, but I did connect with charities throughout this where they have benefited off, off this partnership, but that was not my motivator. 
Um, but it's just wonderful to see how, I call it popping. I was watching in front of me these 20 people who've never met before and collaborations were being created. Businesses realize they've got similar values and they're looking for partner project, projects to partner with. And that that's the magic. Check all this inspiration in a pot and see what happens. It's an interesting point when you bring up that you did it for yourself, but then you noticed things happening as a result. This brings up the the ego a little bit, but then also there's a lot of arguments for doing things for yourself, rather selfishly in some ways, but then you always try to figure out how other people can benefit. You always just try to see things in a particular way, see how other people can get involved and how other people can benefit. Then you've got your box ticked so to speak because the triathlon is for this particular reason for you that just so happens to satisfy other people as well what are your thoughts on that yeah i think i think being selfish isn't a bad thing if the healthier i am the more times i say no to staying up late when people want to go clubbing or you know looking their wingman or whatever they want from me the more times i look after myself the more i can give to others in need the the more, the more safe and secure I feel, the more time I can spend thinking about ways of helping others to benefit as well. So being selfish is actually a key component in the evolution of humanity and to be able to support others to elevate. If all I'm doing is thinking of others, it's an imbalance because I'm just giving un- unnecessarily sometimes and unconditionally because I'm not giving them the skills they need because I don't have the time to actually say, how can I help you? I could give you some money today, but what happens next week or next month? And that might not leave you feeling better. So what do you want from me? And we can work together to elevate everybody. So that's how I see being selfish uh, which is, is, is you know, the analogy of a bicycle wheel. Get the centre balanced. You can have a massive wheel and it can go very fast. If we are off kilter, you ain't going anywhere, really. It's almost like if you have more to give, then you can give more. But then there's the, there's the realisation, I guess, that that means you've got to do something for yourself in order to have more to give it doesn't just miraculously appear you know everyone's got a a level if you will but if you want to give more how how can you give something that you don't have that's why a lot of people talk about but if you want to be happy make other people feel happy and therefore the only way you can do that is by being happy so by making other people happy you're inadvertently helping yourself at the same time which is a weird way of looking at it because you can make people laugh and you're a grumpy old sod. So um, it's it's one of those weird weird scenarios where you can't get it right either. You know, I, I sometimes wonder if there are people out there that do good wherever they go, and there's always going to be someone that doesn't like them. (laughs) there's always going to be someone that doesn't like who they are they think they're a selfish human and yet they spend most of their time helping others and doing things for other people and I put a post on social media many years ago now you'd be lucky if you can find it where I said that complaining about someone being selfish 
is potentially a selfish act, especially if someone's reasonably giving anyway, right? But they're, they're, they're selfish in your mind because they're not doing something for you. Mm. So appear selfish to you because they're not doing anything that benefits you. So it, And I got someone that said, that makes so much sense. Well, it is because we spend a lot of our time projecting how we feel onto other things and other people. Yeah. And you know what? You can only see in others what's in us. So if I'm seeing selfish in you, guess what I'm not owning in myself that I have a, a vein of selfishness. Yeah. So of course I'm going to get hooked on you because I haven't I haven't embraced that part of my life in myself. It's a very, very good point. And it it's tough for a lot of people to admit because they can claim the self-righteous ground right they can claim the the sort of i'm doing right by other people by calling this out and you try and be a nice human but you just try not to put it on them and it's a it's a weird scenario but yeah. i like how transparent you were in highlighting the fact that the triathlon and the world records and making that transition was part of your getting over the relationship that you were in so I want to applaud you for that, Kate, because it's not always easy. It's not always straightforward. And the amount of people that would probably applaud you for, you know, go on, girl, all that sort of stuff, right? Where it's like, you did it for yourself, get in. And I, I think you you have to allow for that sometimes. You know, someone that just needs to release. They just need to do something for themselves. It's the only way to let, us elevate in other parts of my life because the day I committed to that record do you know what I stopped complaining to my boyfriend that the toilet seat was up to me my problems were a hell of a lot bigger I didn't have space to start whinging and bickering in my relationship my business suddenly I had to become a lot more time effective I didn't have eight hours to do a six-hour job anymore I needed to just make it into five hours so my business stepped up so, yeah, I had to hold myself to account to, to step up to that greatness because I had such a big project on. What things did you notice happen? Because you mentioned relationships were being formed, collaborations were happening with companies and brands. Did it feel surreal for you when you noticed that? Did you feel like there's something bigger going on here? Well, all I thought I was doing was peddling for a day, but it turns out there's a lot more going on. I always knew it would happen. Uh, I, I knew that that day magic would happen. I had no idea what it was. I didn't want to cap the potential, but I, I knew magic would happen because people were stepping away from normal habits. They actually committed. Some people were there 3 a.m. in the morning. That is a hard way to be. And they they elevated. So I knew I, I didn't know what it was. I wouldn't say, you know, Amy's going to speak with Ahmed and they're going to do this. It was just beautiful to watch who spoke with whom. But yeah, magic was going to happen 100%. That was, no, that was just what it was going to be was the question. When you were at your most intense, so we could be talking a few months away from the, the big day, right? What was your day like? What was your training like? What was your eating like? Talk us through a more intense version of your day because cycling three times a week maybe isn't the end of the world for a lot of people but competition time starts looming 
you're ready for the big day. What does your day look like from that point? Yeah, it, it was quite stressful looking back at it. I didn't notice then, but my tolerance, my fuse was a lot shorter. You know, so I'd wake up and have my breakfast, which is a big bowl of muesli with nuts and seeds. So the same meal every time I took the thinking out of it. Uh, and then I'd usually jump on the bike for eight hours. Uh, I'd try and start really early so that at least I finished around 3, 4 p.m. So I still had one hour where I could catch up on any work I needed. And um, there was also a bit of more work was happening. So more people were emailing me with questions. There was more people wanting me on podcasts. So I actually had a lot more to do than I did the week after the event, which is quite a shame. Uh, And I didn't usually finish till about 7 p.m. My partner was hugely integral in this because he cooked all the food. So as soon as I finished work, boom, I had food in front of me. Nine times out of 10, it was a curry like a, a massive chickpea or lentil curry. It's really good for recovery. And then working, and he also managed the whole house, so I didn't have to clean or make the beds or any of that, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it saves you hours, and it saves the mind thinking as well. And we then take some time out every night to be together, me and my, my boyfriend, uh, watch TV or read a book or just something of downtime, and then in bed by 1030 uh to repeat it the next day just just hearing that oh my my partner did most of the away from bike work that that speaks to a lot of there's a level of support or allowing i guess that bleeds into support meaning that he he gave you the space to be able to do what it is that you wanted to do but then as you got more intense, that became the support that you needed. Yeah. So first, he was just allowing you to do it. It was like, yeah, I'll do this, I'll do that. You've got the eight to ten hours on the bike, no problem. You do your thing, I'll look after the house. But then eventually it was like, I can't do this without someone that could take the mental strain away we've all been there we've all had to go to work thinking about what we're going to do for food that night or we've all got this thing in the diary that needs to get done but you can't find the time to get it done and you're constantly thinking about it while you're doing something else having that while you've also got a standard to hit you know like you've got a world record to break um well three in your case that adds the mental I guess, strain that you could have done without. So it's good that you speak to that side of support as well. It just allows you the time to to do it, but every day. And it probably got intense as well. Did it ever get intense? Did it ever get sort of, it needed to get done, but then there were moments where you weren't sure if you could do it? Did you have any bad days like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I cried regularly on the the bike. I had sessions that didn't go to plan. I either my either I miscalculated the nutrition and like completely crashed, or I got some physical pain where I str- I questioned if I could carry on, uh, which nine, everything led to tears. I'm quite an emotional being, and yeah, it, it you know again it comes down to like. I didn't need anyone to support me, but gosh, does it help. It just makes the crash a little less. It allows me to bounce up quicker. And there's a very 
big difference to allowing like lip service I'll support you or call me if you need anything sort of tokenism and proactively holding the space and making it happen and that's what I was getting and that's what I really want to honor Kieran my partner for because he didn't just sit back and wait for me to ask he did it he he thought what would I want and he went away and did it and we can do that in our lives for our partners but also in business we know that someone's struggling. We know that the sales department potentially is off track, even before they tell us at the monthly meetings. What can we do today to make sure in three weeks' time they hit their targets? And we don't just sit back going, oh, I knew this was going to happen. Good on you. Where's your team thinking? And let's start working as a unit, not as an entity of one. Rant over. <laughs> Rant over, yeah. It speaks to preventative measures as well. Like if you can see something coming, see something happening, and you think, right, we have the time to divert this. We have the time to prevent this from happening. What is it going to take for us to do that? Do we have enough time to course correct? And it takes a bit more planning, granted, but it makes for a much smoother ride. You know, like if you can see further down the road, your driving improves. That's just the the nature of the beast because you can see things coming miles and miles away okay this is pretty fascinating but i want you to talk us through about the actual day now so yep. it might be a while after but as of recording this it was pretty recent so talk us through the day yeah so retrospectively we cuban was operations manager so everything logistically was on on him I had a performance manager, so she was purely managing me, my mental frame of mind, my nutrition, and the physical cycling. And in theory, all I should have been doing was the bicycle. Uh, stupidly, we had no one to help set up. So Kieran and I were on the site from about 9 a.m. We were tr starting at 3 p.m. So for five hours, I was helping him put up tents, set up the five computers, live stream it on Facebook, and I should have been resting. So that is something that we've both learned. Uh, from midday, people started to amalgamate and arrive. And then uh, I, sh again, should have been resting, but I wasn't. I was very socializing and chatting with anyone who wanted to. But uh, there we are. We all learn. And then at 3 p.m., I was on the bike. Someone rang. We've got a singing bowl. They rang the singing bowl as the official start. And I started to pedal. Uh, I had one hour, so I had to beat a world record in that first hour. Also knowing I had to keep enough in the tank to go for another 23 hours afterwards as well. Uh, and it, 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 I don't know whether time, time felt like it stood still, but it was also like a second was an hour and an hour was a second. I could never gauge time-wise because I was flipping in and out of that flow state. The pain in, after 12 hours, my body started to, I said, decompose, like parts of my body were screaming from my toes. I had My little toe was actually in pain oh. up into my shoulders. And we won't talk about the, the saddle sores, but I was bleeding from four parts as well. Oh. So there was that physical pain burning into me as well. So I just did my best to focus and use my body as an anchor to not think about the time, not think about the finish, not think about what I've done. Just focus on the now and get through the now. You know, if my pain, if my knee is screaming because it took about a month to recover, I know we're recording that, but it's still quite so swollen still now. 
if my knee is hurting, be in my knee. All I am is a knee. Forget, forget everything else. How can I focus on my knee to just get through the next moment and then the next moment? So I think I cried for 11 hours and I screamed in pain for about 10 of those 11 hours. Uh, you can check Facebook Live for that. It is the, it's the truth. Um, and the, the last 10 minutes, it, again, this energy, I, I could feel other people's, they got me through it, basically. So it wasn't about me on the bike. I, I, I motivated them at the beginning, but by the end, it was them motivating me. Every, every clap for 10 minutes, people were clapping nonstop to, to drive me to the end. And so once we achieved it by over three miles, so 433 miles was our, um, what we achieved, it was just relief in, in that we did it uh, as a team, as a collective. And I'm very conscious to say, you might just see Kate Strong on the, on the world record banner. It isn't. Every single individual, every single Facebook message at three in the morning, every single person who turns up to cheer me on, that made the difference. And that is what, you know, the world record is definitely a community event. I like how you share a lot about the the pain of it as well, because as someone that cycles for a little bit, you know, I do my, my half an hour, sometimes my hour, um, that can be quite painful just in of itself. Um, Realising that I have would have another 23 of those um, would fill me with dread just thinking about it. So, I mean, just the fact that we even set it as a world record, Kate, was probably, probably didn't even have to make it. Like just being mad enough, just being mad enough to actually set it as a goal. So, so yeah, I completely applaud the ever so slight insanity with it. In, in, in some ways, it's just good that you actually got to the end. You know, it was painful, and I'm sure it was. Just getting to the end, you know, you hit 24 hours. You probably, like, just collapsed after that and just lie down on the floor for a couple of hours afterwards just to let all the blood go back to your head again rather than your legs. And it... It must have been such a relief just to see 24 hours on the the clock and the timer. And did you have a number in your head? And when you started to get close, did you speed up at all? Or did you sort of still stay the the course? Um, Yeah. So just to cover the pain, like it... I surrendered to my team. So Claire was the one who let me know that the pain wasn't going to do any lasting damage. Because if I thought I was going to irreversibly damage myself, we would have stopped. So even though my mind was screaming, you're in pain, stop. My team said, you're okay, carry on. So I complete complete faith in them to tell me what to do. Uh, And yeah, the last hour, it was touch and go, like Guinness had had set a minimum of 430 miles. So I knew I had to get it. And I'd already convinced myself it wasn't going to happen. You know, I was, I, I, I will never be able to put into words the pain I had from my knee to my um, chafing to my entire body. And I just went, I can't keep, I, I don't know how much more pain I can actually sustain. And the mind was magical in it said, well, basically, Kate, if I'm talking to myself, by the way, uh, if you don't do this, you're going to regret it. And in two years time, we're going to have to go through the whole process again. So with love, suck it up 
and get it done. Uh, so for the last hour, I did increase it a little bit. And the last 10 minutes, I went as hard as I could. And I think I actually hit 27 and a half miles an hour for not a massive, like 10, 15 seconds. But yeah, it was just, yeah, push as hard as I can because I'm never going to experience this again. Please make sure that happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Big question now then is, would you ever do it again to try to beat your old record? Or if somebody else beat you, would that convince you to do it again? I don't care if some, I don't care to do it again. I don't need a bigger record. And like the one hour record is 24.2 miles an hour. It's not a lot. That is very doable. And my entire motivation to start was there was no female 24 hour world record, but there was a male. So I want other women to go, oh, I could do this. Go for it. I want to see more women in the news. I want to see more women pioneers and leaders. And instead of sitting back and like waiting for us to be offered the job, go out and bloody get it. So I do want somebody to break it and as sooner the better, because it just means then that there are more women actively looking for ways for them to be in the limelight as well. So if you know anyone, get them on the bike and let's see what they can do. So the, the record was a general world record. Official Guinness World Records, yeah. So you beat you beat guys then to to break this thing because there wasn't a, a woman's version. There there is a male world record, uh, but there was no female equivalent. But Guinness wants a certain standard, so that's why they set it at four hundred and thirty miles. And uh, otherwise, they could have just sat on it into twenty. Uh, which, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's good that they set uh, an average in some ways. But then I suppose it's it's a it's a catch twenty two then. Like if they set it far below what the guy could do, and the woman smashes it then because she's competing with the guy's score instead of what Guinness have set. I know what some people can be. That's what I would do if it was me. I wouldn't go with what they tell me I can do. I I compare myself to the the other record and go right. Let's see what I've really got. You know, let's see what I can really do. Um. So with that said, then would you attempt the hour? Maybe not the full day. Would you do the the hour or twelve hour? I don't need to. I've I've created what I wanted to create out of that, and it was the community. It was a means for a platform to talk with people like you and share my philosophies. I have other world records coming up, which are world's first. Um, which is just to share with you in in a period of ten months, I'm going to be cycling in the world's toughest race, the coast to coast of America, race across America. Then I'm going to swim the English Channel. Then I'm going to summit Everest. So I've got that coming up. I don't really need to do the 24 hour again. Uh, I'm very happy with what I accomplished there. Wow. Okay. So you've got a lot of a lot of other things that are on your world's first bucket list. I don't I don't know why. But my head went to pedaling with your hands. When you said world first, I thought, could she could she do it with her hands instead? Is that is that a real thing? Uh, I, <laughs> as soon as you said world first, I thought, surely there's not many of those left. So my head went to something a bit crazy. So I do apologize for those that are actually listening to this. What would you say were your biggest lessons from the whole experience if you could I mean you don't have to boil it down that'd be unfair but what would your biggest lessons be for the the full 
16 to 18 to 20 months of experience of breaking the world record? Some of them are things I'm proud of, so I got right. And other areas I know I'm still in the zone of improvement. One is team. I'm really proud of myself for letting go of control and surrendering for others to involve themselves and be responsible. So normally I'd be like Excel spreadsheets galore and micromanaging every minute. I didn't I didn't know who was turning up at half the time or what I was supposed to be doing. So definitely letting go of the control, allowing the team to shine, making gave them that ownership for us to group. So that was something that really went well. Something that I, I'm learning is I didn't have many financial sponsors throughout that because I, I created a story in my mind that, oh, no, because it, it's for me, no one will want to be part of that. Retrospectively, I now know a lot of businesses did want to get involved. I never asked. I never gave them the space to say yes or no. I assumed on their behalf the answer was no. So now I'm learning more to ask and let them make their decisions and also remove the meaning. No doesn't mean anything. No doesn't mean I'm a failure. No is just that they declined the offer. So that's a big lesson I'm learning. Uh, and again, it reinforces in me, I'm so much greater than I ever gave myself credit for. We can achieve so much more if we have to. And I really honor people and myself for creating spaces where we can actually get outside our comfort zone and really step up. I didn't know I could put up with that much pain until I did. I honestly did not realize how strong and resilient I am. I, if, I, if I was told afterwards, I thought I would have crumbled hours before the end. So, you know, kudos to me. And I'm now looking for those areas to make sure that I, not just physically, but mentally, like how can I push myself in my business? How can I, you know, push our relationship or, you know, with love into a deeper and more intimate space? Like there is so much more in my life that I can, I can find. Uh, and now I'm also translating that in brilliant for me, as you said, good for me, my life is popping and I'm all happy. How can I translate these steps to give other people the resources to be able to move upwards as well. Not, you know, both you and I, we both agree that there isn't a five point plan that will get you to success. Anyone who sells you that is completely making money off something that doesn't work for the vast majority. So how can I hold the space with integrity for others to find their greatness? Uh, and that's what I'm researching at the moment. And probably early next year, I'll launch a charity off the back of that so I can do that with integrity and help others to elevate and grow. Well, that was very, very nicely put, Kate. I think more people need to do harder things in some ways because it translates very well to like physical, to mental, to relationships, to business. One of the overriding things that keeps coming back is once you've done something that's hard, no matter what it is, the growth from that impacts every other area. doesn't matter what it is. And over the years, I've realized that physical is probably the easiest form of doing that. And mental toughness is great, but how do you test for that? How do you push that? But taking yourself somewhere new physically will push you to some mental boundaries as well but then you've got the the repercussions of physical exertion comes across 
vast areas of your life. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us, Kate. I love the fact that you've come on the show to share it with us. How can people find out more about you and some of the other crazy antics that you've got planned? The best thing is to go on my website, katestrong.global. Uh, I'm also quite active on social, on Instagram, Facebook, twi- Twitter, and LinkedIn are my main ones. I think that's the main ones anyway. Uh, so, and that's katestrong01. And like, I don't want this to be me in a glass bowl watching people. I want to hear people's stories as well. So tell me what you, your listeners are doing. It Share with me how you're growing yourself individually and inspire me because I think we can all learn from everyone. So I'd love to hear what you're up to as much as for you to be following me as well. Awesome, Kate. I'm sure there will be those that are listening that will definitely take you up on that. So look forward to future messages from from our lot and I love the fact that this isn't a one-off either I love the fact that you're on Everest you're doing a whole host of other things and I'd be very keen to have you back on to share those stories as well I think that that'd be really really cool um and yeah thanks for coming on the show I I really enjoyed it and I look forward to keeping in touch Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for this opportunity. For those that are tuning in, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes. And if you really enjoyed the episode, share it on social media, tag myself and Kate, sharing what you like most about it. I will speak to you all again on the next episode.